Sounds spinning. Okay, <laughs> we are back from the dead. Oh God! Ooh. Oh my God! It's the spooky time. It is the spooky season. Why don't you explain why you made this horrible noises just now? <laughs> um, one, because I'm eating an apple. And two, because my son, which is a Langorian lap dog, just climbed all over me into his favorite spot, which is either of our crotches. This time, it was mine. Oh, and that That's sound. That's the sound <laughs> of the dog <laughs> scratching. You probably can hear <laughs> Um, so last time we recorded a podcast, (laughs) we said that we were going to watch all of the Fast and Furious movies. Yep. And then what happened? (laughs) I think we got through four. We we watched, yeah, we watched a good number of them. (laughs) Well, four out of nine? That's not nothing. (laughs) We failed. It's almost half. We failed is what it is. Yeah, but why did we fail? Why did we fail? Yeah, why did we stop? I don't remember. Because maybe because we were recording a web series. Oh. Oh, yeah. That thing. Yes, we were, in fact, recording season two of Wormholes, which if you haven't caught season one, you can put wormholes.tv into your YouTube bar search and you will come up with the playlist for season one of Wormholes. It's fantastic. We're funny and smart and beautiful and you should pay us to make more. And there's season two coming up. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that's why we didn't watch the Fast and Furious movies and didn't record any podcasts for a long time. This, I, I, can't, I can't discern time anymore. Right. The pandemic has killed my... Like understanding of what. Well, the last time we recorded was is. like June, I think. Right, and, and now it's spooky season. And I feel like both so much time has passed, but also no time has passed, and like, I don't know, I don't know, bruh, I don't know. I was talking with um, shout out to uh producer Gabe, or is he a producer? I know, shout out to Gabe from Willie Gets Naked. Um, we were talking about it yesterday and how like, both before the pandemic feels like 10 years ago but Uh also the time like within i would say like the quarantine part of pandemic feels like so little so the idea that it's now turning 2022 doesn't make sense i'm like there's no way that we have been through two years of this you know Mm. okay what are we talking about today (laughs) Um, (laughs) we're talking about spooky movies Mm-hmm. Well, spooky season movies, I would say. The first, well, do you want to say the order? Or is it? Or yeah. Okay. I mean, it's going to be on the podcast description. People will know. <laughs> Don't spoil it. The Bride of Frankenstein Jeff and Lewis. A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. Freddy's Revenge. Revenge. <laughs> um, so. This apple, Cody? Why do you think we picked? I actually picked. Yeah, you picked both these movies. So why so do you think I marriage. picked them together? Um, I don't know why you picked them together, but, uh, I do think, oh, now everybody's eating apples. <laughs> I do think that, um, uh, 
Not as bad because it's just sounds of people eating apples. <laughs> that they're, uh, I don't know, I guess they're related maybe in... Um... Well, they're both spooky season movies. Right, obviously. You already said that. Yeah. What else do they have in common? They're both sequels. They're, uh, I look at that. And they're both gay. I was going to say, I was going to ask you if you thought Bride of Frankenstein is queer, but... 100%. It's like the most famous thing about it. The most famous thing? Yeah. Well, you know, like the thing that it's like... I feel like the queerest part is that friendship that he has with the guy, but... Alright, so let's start talking about Bride of Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. Um, We went to see it on the big screen. Oh yeah, baby. At the Museum of the Moving Image in uh, Astoria, Queens. Bwam, 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 mommy for the win. Um, Bride of Frankenstein is a sequel to Frankenstein from 1935. That um, was Frankenstein or that's the one? No, that's Bride of Frank. Okay. Frankenstein was 1931. So, you know, a couple of years in between because the studio, or rather the director, James Whale, mm-hmm. didn't want to make a sequel. And it took a while to convince him oh, it was to do it. one. Mm. And then he finally did on the condition that he get to do whatever the fuck he wanted. Which was to make this whole. Which he made movie. The Bride of Frankenstein. James Whale, famously a gay man. I didn't know that, but famously. Also British. Mm. He came to Hollywood and then he worked in the 30s making movies for Universal Pictures. Um, He was a very uh, successful director for a long time. He had a lot of hits early on, like Frankenstein. He did The Invisible Man, also another horror movie. And the people who ran Universal at the time, the Lemleys, Mm-hmm. Carl Lemley and Carl Le- Lemley Jr. especially who was in charge of the horror movies mm. uh, basically let James Well for the most part do whatever he wanted whatever projects he wanted and he did and um, th- this doesn't have to do that much with Brad and Frankenstein but like interestingly one of the big the biggest project that he got was the film version of Showboat the oh, Broadway sure. musical and that mm-hmm. was a really expensive production that actually put the Lemleys in a lot of debt and they ended up having to sell their share of Universal to stay afloat. And once the Lemleys were out of it, even though Showboat was a big hit, James Well just didn't have the the pull that he had when the Lemleys were there because they were their friends. He was one of their favorites and the new people that took over from a bank, some bankers, it just wasn't the same. And that's kind of when James Well basically decided to retire and lived the rest of his life apparently just throwing gay man gay parties at his mansion for the rest of his life until he died. Oh, um, that's what because I he want. had like some investments or something. So he lived a life of a luxurious. Yeah, like a luxurious uh, Hollywood millionaire. Person? That's amazing. Yeah. Um. So the fact that he's gay, I think, makes a lot of people read *Bride of Frankenstein* as a I gay mean, movie. But yeah. there is a lot of gay things about it, right? I mean, there's a lot of gay, gay things about it. I would say that there's, like, maybe some queer undertones or, like, definitely, like, narratives that feel like someone who is queer can read into them as their own storyline in a way that, like, is coded but not really, All right. you know? Tell us how the movie begins. The movie begins with my favorite dogs. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but they have that long panning shot into this castle mm-hmm. and looks you, like a spooky castle it looks like a spooky castle but then it dissolves and it's actually a luxurious a castle where mary shelley mary shelley and her husband percy mr shelley, shelley. percy shelley 
But also, more importantly, Lord Byron. Lord Byron are having a discussion uh-huh. about Frankenstein. So that's already yeah. gay. <laughs> right? The guy who's playing Lord Byron, it's like the campiest performance that you've ever seen. He's having like the most fun of everybody. In, in sure. Ca- Everybody's talking like, please let me tell you the story of Frankenstein. And they're all like, you know, being like fuzzy and stuff. It's incredibly campy. The it's beginning. very campy. Does it camp mean that it's gay though? Well, but it's like a gay sensibility. Okay, if you say so. But, I mean, who am I to say? I'm just saying like, there's like uh, scholars and people who have talked about like camp as a gay sensibility, and uh, there sure, are clearly sure, sure, sure. a lot of the most famous camp artists with, uh, have, been have been gay men. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, it is. It is definitely a kiki. The doors are locked tight. They're having a kiki. There's a mm-hmm. storm. Yeah. And yeah. And then the Percy t- tells them. No, not Percy Shelley. The, the Lord Byron, he's like, oh, Mary, can you can you remind us of that horrible story that you terrible, told us? terrible, nasty tale. <laughs> yeah, that was so horrid. <laughs> and then Mary, who's played very uh, naively by Elsa Lanchester, oh. she... Um, what, a, what a dame. Incredible performance. And, then, yeah. and she's like, oh, if you think that was horrible, there's actually more to the story that I can tell you. It doesn't you. end there. <laughs> and yeah. so, after getting a brief recap of the first Frankenstein in that in that moment, mm-hmm. Ma- Mary goes on to tell uh, the story of what happens next in Bride of Frankenstein. I did you notice the woman who played Mary also plays the bride, the bride of Frankenstein yeah, of at the end? Okay. And Did I notice? I don't know, because in the credits, they keep it a secret. They do. <laughs> because they have everyone well, listed. Yeah. And, and then, then it they says, say, the monsters, monsters made, made, question mark. <laughs> best, best credits ever. And at the top of the end of the movie, when it says, yeah. uh, what does it say? Like A good cast is good, worth repeating. Yes, yeah. a good cast is worth repeating. I yeah, like, there's a lot of movies. Oh, man. I think that especially universal horror movies have that in, in most of them oh, at the end. I want that tattooed on me, I think. <laughs> I <laughs> good, really think it's good. So cast good cast is worth repeating. It's yeah. such a good line. Um, yeah, but... So the second thing we see is mm-hmm. the the end of Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. The, the, um, the windmill. The windmill is on, in flames and it's been destroyed and the whole town... Including the most ridiculous woman. I love her. The second gay thing about this movie is just that character. She's so only amazing. a gay man could have come up with that character. I don't know about that, but she's fantastic. But she's she's basically a, an award-winning one uh, of the Frankenstein servants. In my opinion, yeah. And she is ridiculous. <laughs> I love her. Pro is your favorite performance in the movie? Probably. She's just ridiculous. One of relief. for like between her and then I'm sure we'll get to him. The um I don't remember nobody's name apparently. Um. But the guy who's like, oh, Jin is my one weakness. Oh, Dr. Pretorius. <laughs> yes, yeah, we'll Pretorius. get to Yes, how could um, I forget? But yes, the character's name is Minnie, played by Una O'Connor. All right, Una. Um, great performance. Fantastic. Very funny. And she's kind of like this this uh, servant of the Frankensteins, kind of peasant woman who is very... You know, in the, in the I would say in the gay reading of the movie, she represents like the conservative kind of point of view. She's very much, like, against the monster, right, against anything. Every- she wants everything to be in order, back to conservative. Um, and she's nagging the the Burgermeister so that he would, <laughs> he would do something about it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Hoop is another kind of comedic-ish character. <laughs> oh, douche. Shut up. <laughs> but, um, 
Victor Frankenstein, mm-hmm. who was renamed Henry for some reason in the movie. Right. He survives. He well, we Henry. don't know that yet. He's taken. He's taken away in some carriage, and right. then, um, we everybody thinks that the monster is dead. Yeah. But the parents of the little girl who died in the first movie. The dad is kind of obsessing, like, I need to see his body body or something. And then, all of a sudden, he falls, and we discover, guess what? Under the windmill, there's a big subterranean water. Water thing, yeah. And the monster is there. He survived, and he kills this man. Drowns the guy. Drowns the guy and his wife. Yeah. Um, (laughs) In another very funny, kind of funny, scary moment when the wife says, like, the, the... guy falls off and the wife is like where did you go mm-hmm. are you there and then a hand comes out of the, <laughs> of the floor yeah. reaches out and she thinks it's her husband but it's actually the monster who pulls her back into the water um so what happens next so that happens and while he's walking out Minnie is out there and he comes up and he spooks her and she goes oh 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 yeah, that's and funny. she runs back. Ridiculous. To the so you thought this movie was very funny, right? I, it is one of the most hilarious movies I have seen in my entire life. I was expecting to go in and maybe not be scared because of like just the way that horror movies might have been, but like to for it to be a more serious spooky movie. Mm. It does not. It does not take itself seriously at all. It's my favorite. It was one of my favorite things that I've ever Well, seen. I wouldn't say at all, but no, no, like no, for, no, but the, for mean, a large yeah, portion it, of it. Yeah, it isn't... It is, it, it is using the fact that, like, all of these things that are, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. that it isn't scary, you don't know, need to kind of, like, play with your expectations, and it's fun. It's a really it great... It's fun. It's yeah. a horror comedy, I yeah, would say. Yeah, exactly. Um, had you, you'd never seen a horror movie as old as this one? No. I don't even you think... took a horror movie class. They didn't show you anything. Old. I mean, I think we had clips of like Dracula and stuff, but I don't think I watched the whole. We didn't watch the whole thing. Mm. We just, um, we did more like Texas Chainsaw and then Halloween and okay, okay, and the, of the yeah, more... ones that kill me, Martyrs and Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> okay. So, um, did they show Nightmare on Elm Street in your class? They did. They did. They did. And you saw it? Did you not go to class that day? I think. I went to class. I think I might have fallen asleep. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the thing about seeing... Sorry, the thing dropped. Um, Of seeing movies in in class. It was just not the best yet. It's not the best place to watch. There was many a time I fell asleep. Yeah. Um, But anyway, so... uh, Yeah, it's a funny movie. Um, Especially the stuff, I would say, with... uh, with Dr. Frankenstein, with Henry. Mm-hmm. His, because there's basically, like, I would say, two main storylines. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the one that follows Henry and the one that follows the monster. Yeah. And the one that follows Henry, I think, is very... Um, it's the most campy one and the most yes. funny because it involves his old friend, Dr. Pretorius, who comes in the middle Pretorius. of the night knocking on the castle door saying, like, he has to see Henry at once. He will know who I am. I'm Dr. Pretorius. He comes straight into his bedroom <laughs> and tells his wife to get out of there. He leave the two of them alone in private. <laughs> On then, their, it was the eve of their wedding. The eve and the eve of their wedding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and tells him that he needs to stop with this whole getting married nonsense, and they have to come back together. Doctor Pretorius is his old mentor, mm-hmm. and he tells him that he they to that he has created life just like Henry created life with Frankenstein, but he's done it in a different way. And now they have to come together to create the most incredible life 
of the mall. Right. So how is that not gay? <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, I mean, I think it's it's gay because it's two men, right? So there. But I think more so it's, to me, the biggest thing, which is um, man's obsession specifically of wanting to play God, right? Like, there's, like that is the overarching idea and then mm-hmm. and then you have the queerness underneath it because it's these two yeah. men who are obsessed with it together and yeah not only that but you have this incredibly flamboyant uh campy character coming in the middle of the night to tell him to come away with him away from the women mm-hmm. so that the two men can create a way of making life without women right you know like just with using their own intellect and their own talents sure i think that's just, um, yeah but yeah and and there's and there's that very probably the silliest one of the craziest scenes in the movie where Pretorius shows him the life that he has created (laughs) which is basically miniature people (laughs) in different jars um very funny and very surreal sequence with all the little people in in jars (laughs) the bishop has a lot of work to do (laughs) (laughs) it's good it's good Mm mm-hmm and Pretorius has another great performance. I think the movie has great performances all around. Mm-hmm. Um, Pretorius is one of the best performances because he's just such a fun um, character. Yeah. And he has this ridiculous thing like, um, what is what you said? Would you like some gin? Gin. It's my one weakness. <laughs> right? It's my only weakness. It's my only weakness. Which he says then later about cigars. Yeah. <laughs> also, Have yeah. a cigar. Cigars. It's my one weakness. Um... And, uh, yeah, so that is one side of the, of the story. And then the other side is the monster kind mm-hmm. of trying to escape yeah. or, or try, trying to survive really now that yeah. he's alive in the world, he's just continuing to be persecuted. Mm-hmm. Basically everybody in the town wants the monster dead. Yeah. Once they find out that the monster's still alive and he is just kind of running away. Um, right. And that to me is the qu- more of a queer oh. story. Because that, to me, is this person who is not accepted. They are born a certain way. They can't help how they were born or how they were made into this world. And everyone around them only sees, like, only sees this, you know, this part of them that they can't control and, and shuns them for this and doesn't, and takes no time to try to understand or to love them or to give, you know what I mean? There's no hope for this Mm -hmm. being because... He it's he's so disgusting. He's so disturbed. He's so you know, and they put blame on him and and you know uh, for other things that are happening in other people's lives because of what a sin he is. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's like that to me is the like uh, feels more closer to like oh where I could see this and read this and be like oh a gay man wrote this. I I see what what this character is kind of like mm-hmm. representing. Yeah, on that note, I don't know. I don't think he wrote it, or, but, but he directed it. Let sure. me see who wrote it. Um, yeah, <laughs> other William Herblet, Hurlbut. I'm sure he went to those whale parties. Hurl, yeah, maybe. <laughs> who knows? Um, definitely, uh, you know, a writer from that time. Imitation of Life. He also wrote. Way down east, so melodrama stuff. I don't know. Maybe he was a gay man. I'm not sure, but James Will for sure, and he definitely brings his own 
Flair. And you know, it was a project that he was in charge of because it was a sequel to a very successful movie that he made. So he, I'm sure, approved of what themes and what things he wanted to happen in the movie. I think so. The monster is played by Boris Karloff, mm-hmm. um, who played him also, also in the known original. Also Jeremy Irons, in my opinion. <laughs> Jeremy, you think that he looks like Jeremy Irons, right? He looks like Jeremy Irons, I do. In makeup. <laughs> Sorry, Jeremy. Just the, it's the bottom half. It's the mouth part. No, he does look. I think if you see him without makeup, you might think that he looks even more so, like, mm. like Jeremy Irons. I think there's something there. They're both British as well. Um, <laughs> you know those Brits? They got that strong chin. <laughs> but um, yeah, I see what you're saying about that part for sure. I think that. Uh, I think Boris Karloff gives also a really good performance mm-hmm. and um, there's a scene the the most I think kind of moving scene in the movie when he comes across a cottage mm. where a man is playing the violin and he's kind of attracted to the music and then the man tells him to come in and he's scared because so far every interaction he the monsters had with humans has ended badly mm-hmm. So he wants to step away, keep away, but the blind the man turns out to be a blind man who can't see that he's the monster, and so he invites him into his house and he tells him that he's now his friend and he kind right. of yeah, and he's very kind to him and and he, they have that whole moment. Are you? He says, "Are you deformed or defected or like you know diseased like me?" Like some, me, you yeah. know what I mean. And like that feels like a really like yeah, it's so definitely a moment of recognizing two men who have, uh, you know, who are different. And who have who been, are, and who are also outside of society in some yeah, way. Yeah, who have been rejected in some way from some way. society or marginalized. Yeah, like you're saying for sure. And they get together and they have a very uh, beautiful moment. Um, first, a very tender moment, then a very funny moment when he's teaching him what words are, what words are, and and to speak, and then he with the wine and the cigar. Wine, wine. good. <laughs> yeah. Smoke, good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, very <laughs> funny scene as well. And obviously, uh, something that doesn't last very long, no. sadly, that people... Because uh, two other straight fucking assholes come into their beautiful cabin, cabin that they've made together and ruin everything and burn the whole thing down. Yeah, what's interesting is that the blind man, even after they tell him that the monster is the monster, right. he says, no, he's my friend, he's don't my hurt friend, him. He's my friend, yeah. Um, and then his whole house burns down because they're trying to get the monster. So like, yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. So the monster is kind of cursed, right? Mm-hmm. By having been born into the world that does not accept him right. for who he is. And the people who, you know, should uh, have the brunt of the blame is Frankenstein who created right. him. But... um. What what does the movie say about that? It, like the ending. It's an interesting, it's an interesting way to end the movie. I think. Um, yeah, the ending actually. I well, it was the part that I was the most upset about. Yeah. So let's um, recap a little bit, what happens up to there. Um, the 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 monster is, is still trying to hide, and he comes across Doctor Pretorius, mm-hmm. or Doctor Pretorius comes across the monster in the in the crypt in the crypt where he's just having a snack, <laughs> just truly <laughs> having dinner <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> amongst the dead. Um, and that's also another very 
kind of campy sensibility mm-hmm. in the character. It's kind mm-hmm. of like that John Waters thing of yeah, like definitely. everything that is unaccepted, everything that's supposed to be horrible, I find beautiful. Right. right? right. Like I love being here in the catacomb, right. having dinner the amongst catacomb. the corpus, corpses, <laughs> yeah, right? Because exactly. I'm just an eccentric who doesn't play by the rules of society. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he meets the monster. Yeah. And then he convinces the monster that together... That well, he tells the monster that he wants to make him a uh, make a him ma- a, a mate. mate. Yeah. yeah, and eventually, you know, through, through like trials and tribulations, it, what happens is the monster ends up kidnapping Henry's wife or mm-hmm. wife to be his bride. No, they do get married, right? I don't think they did yet. I thought they did, right? The night happens, then they get married, and then he tries to convince him more, or maybe not. I don't know. I thought they were married. I thought they were still engaged on on the way to get married, and their marriage is kind of like. Endlessly being postponed by all this shit that happens. I don't know. Not an important thing. Anyway, she gets, yeah, yeah. she gets captured. And now Pretorius goes up to Henry and says, like, if you want your wife back or bride or whatever, mm-hmm. fiance, you have to help me create this life. And Henry right. reluctantly agrees. But guess what? Something that I think is interesting is once they are creating the life, you see that Henry loves doing oh, that. Oh, yeah, exactly. He's a maniac. He's, you know, he loves being with his... Uh, boyfriend to creating life together. Well, actually, well, that's what I'm saying. That's why I don't think it's as queer as you think. That part doesn't feel as queer as it is to me. I don't think he loves being with Pretorius. I don't think he loves being with his boyfriend. I think he loves playing God, right? He's a straight man who's in love with his own creation, with his own hubris. But he learned I mean? that from Pretorius. He was his, his sure, mentor. But and I now, don't... together, Pretorius is telling him to come back to do this thing that it's forbidden Sure, you know, it's kind, kind of, of coded. It, yeah, and but he also I, feels conflicted about it. I like doing this, but I shouldn't be doing it. But like, you yeah, know. Yeah, but it's not, I feel, yeah, kind of. But I think, like I said, I think it's more, I don't know. It, yeah, I think, yes, but. Uh, for the time, you know, for the time. I think I, it's like coded yeah, sure. for the time. Sure, coded for the time. I think that there's, um, like I said, I think that there's more. More there's in Frankenstein? more in Frankenstein's monster than, than in Henry Frankenstein. I think so. it's all over the place. I think I mean I definitely think it's there. I just think that like there is I think there it, because I think there is a critique uh Shelley's critique of of man of mm-hmm. straight men feeling like they are in charge of the world and and taking maybe in a kind of twisted way but like like this idea of um like taking the job of or the role of being a creator or part of a creator of life from women, right? They can't stand that women are able to bring life into this world. Mm-hmm. And so they want to control that and like... Mm-hmm. That's what you know, Shelley brings. Well, that's, that's already in that's the That's already in the original. Book. Right, exactly. And that's, what, I think... What Whale, the movie, is bringing yeah. is the, 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 other... the identification with these outsiders yes. from this other outsider director, right? Yeah, exactly. Um who, you know, a lot of people describe him as an openly gay man, which I'm not sure what that means for the time. That's like the like impression I get from what I've read is that, you know, like, I don't think in the 1930s you would ever, like, identify as a gay man the way that, like, people do now. Well, like, you... go around saying, like, you know, I'm gay. Well, I don't, those, those terms didn't even exist, right? Well, yeah. you know, I, I, think, mean... I think a little bit. I mean, I he when Pretorius comes in, doesn't mean he say like he's a queer looking fellow or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, right. But that's what I'm saying. Like, queer was a term that was used a lot. But I don't like gay man. I don't think that that was. He a... was a confirmed bachelor. 
Right. right, right. That's what I'm saying. I just don't think that there right. was the actual this the right. exact verbiage that we. I think used, the implication obviously. was that he was cert- to a degree comfortable mm-hmm. with the people who knew him, knowing that knowing he's... that he's gay. I don't think he would ever like. I mean, I don't know. I'm not his biographer. I don't know, yeah. but I, but um, but it's certainly the fact that he lived on as this this life as a you know in his mansion having parties and stuff makes me feel Did like he have he's... a partner, a husband or something. Well, obviously it wouldn't be. I don't think like that, no. but, you know. I mean, probably throughout his life. I'm actually not sure right now. Interesting. Um, but, but I think he was kind of, you know, he's a, a, a an artist and mm-hmm. a director, and you know, he has his degree of power. So I do think that he might have been identifying with both the monster and Henry as a, you know, and even Pretorius as a like a person who's mm-hmm. creating and he's like feels like he's outside the mm-hmm. the norm and you know absolutely around this time Hollywood was being you know. It's when censorship was starting to come in and seeing like right. this place that is full of sin and all these things that right, people right, right, are right, pulling and right. in, putting into right. these movies. So, yeah. you know. The down with hedonism. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's a lot of that. But anyway, let's talk about this ending. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens? They so create the... They do create a bride or a, a, a woman for uh, the monster. Mm-hmm. Um, and the moment she like, they meet, you know, they think it's going to be like this, like, matching of the minds and that it'll be like a twisted Cinderella story type thing. And turns out she's just as afraid of him as like every other uh, person, person yeah. is. And she sees him and she screams and she cowers and she, um, yeah, she's, she's, she's not into it. Mm-hmm. And um, so that gets the monster very upset and he's like, you don't like me just the way that this village does. I'm, you know, a, I'm an abomination and so are you is kind of like the implication. And he, um, he like uh, electrocutes or burns down the factory and he allows Henry Frankenstein to leave with his wife. And he says, you live, I die. We and he, belong dead. We belong dead. And he kills himself. He says we belong dead to Pretorius, really. Yes. So yeah. I think, I see what you're saying. I think... My frustration with that scene, I think we have a similar frustration with it, mm-hmm. which is why does the bride have to die? Right. Um, I, I think that it's almost accidental in the sense that I think like the movie doesn't really care about her as a character. Which is a problem. She's a, she's a problem and she's just like the culmination. She's the embodiment of this thing. Like she rejects Frankenstein and that's what they needed to do. And at that point, it's important to know the the players at that point are just like Henry Pretorius and Frankenstein, and really? the wife is just a problem. All of the women are collateral. The women are symbol- yeah. yeah, the women are symbols, right? Yeah. Like they're not really their, they're their fate is not yeah. as important. Is that another queer element to it? Maybe I don't know. Like um, or or it's just a sexist a, element, maybe a sexist sure, yeah. element, or like you know a lack of interest in in women, just in the men. I don't know. Maybe not. But um, how do you read that ending? Yeah, no, I, I hated that ending so much. I was so upset by it. That's it? <laughs> yes. Well, no, I just think that, like, um, uh, what a shitty thing to happen, right? That, like, yeah. I mean, and that, I think it's shitty in the sense that, like, obviously it sucks for the monster to have been rejected once again, but to see that, for the monster, excuse me, to see that rejection um, from someone else who didn't have the choice of being reborn, 
um, mm-hmm. as as a reason that both that he belongs dead. Like that's that that is sad, right? That like, is very sad. I think that's very um, yeah. I find that very also moving's not the right word, but yeah, sad. It's like very tragic. Yeah. that's the word, right? Um, yeah, it's an incredibly tragic moment. I think for him as a character, but of course, the the other character is not doesn't we don't really ha- see her point of view really no. almost at all. So. Yeah, so that is kind of undercuts it a little bit, for right. sure. I agree with that. Um, and the idea, I don't get at all why... Um, Killis Henry lives? Yeah, that feels very like <laughs> heterosexuality is the way to go. <laughs> you know I what I mean? Think, <laughs> yeah, I think that might have to be also like a censorship kind of thing. Mm. Or like a studio Like we note, need some like form a, of yeah, uh, happy ending. Yeah, because at this ending. point, in 1934, Four or five is the moment where the censors start to actually apply mm. s- censorship and the Hays Code to movies in Hollywood. So, and I do think that there is a little bit here of um, uh, coded stuff mm-hmm. more so than in the previous previous um, horror movies for like Dracula and Frankenstein and like the Black Cat and stuff. Mm. Um, and this one is a little bit more coded, and I wonder if that ending has a little bit to do with that as well, or just the idea that there has to be like a bit of a happy ending. Because I don't identify with Henry at all. Mm-mm. I don't. Um, yeah, I I feel much more for the monster than for Henry. Of course. And yeah, and even like Henry versus Pretorius, we kind of I enjoy Pretorius more, so I'm more like interested in seeing him than in seeing Henry. Right? Henry's kind of like a wet blanket character. He's a straight man. Well, kind of. He's at least bisexual. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what else would you say about the movie? Um, yeah, I don't know. I thought, despite that my sad, uh, the sad, sad ending, I thought it was, I had a great time. I loved the acting. I loved the, yeah, I loved the campiness of it. Like, it was... A joyride from top to bottom. Well, from top to almost the bottom. It also looked great on the big screen. Oh, it did look right? delightful. It looked like like the sets looked beautiful. The sets looked beautiful. And um, when they do do like lighting work, it's really like stark and lovely. Mm-hmm. Black and white, mm-hmm. and and the kind of like depth of the sets. Like mm-hmm. some of them like looked huge. Like you know that when are... you get that like big um hallway like from yeah. the yeah from the entryway like the foyer that leads up to the stairs like mm-hmm. that whole thing is ginormous. of the tower yeah, yeah that's yes. ginormous the opening just the opening castle yeah. is enormous the, the a lot of the kind of like the woods mm-hmm. that they build um looks incredible yeah um it clearly a set but just like beautiful like you know otherworldly and and it really does i think make a difference to see a movie that's kind of in that four three uh, boxy aspect ratio and yeah, a big yeah. screen because when you see it on your computer maybe um, the la- the the scope of it doesn't you know like it's a tall frame right so it makes things look really tall it's like it felt like when you go like to the opera or something and you There's see so it, and it opens on the space uh, yeah. above and it yeah. looks like a huge set and it looks like really impressive mm-hmm. and, and yeah so I would definitely and obviously it's shot very well because the people who made it were all great filmmakers um so if you have the chance to see it in the big screen i would recommend i recommend just for the afghan hounds in the top <laughs> all right um are we moving on 
Yeah, let's stop this recording then. Okay, we're back. And if you are have stereo headphones, you may notice that we are now in different ears. <laughs> or we may not, you never know. You never know. Um, so we had to pause the recording because a lot of things happened in our life. We went out for dinner. Therapy, dinner, <laughs> drinks. But now we're back. And um, we actually forgot to do the thing that we always do with Bride of Frankenstein, which is uh, fuck, Mary kill. <laughs> oh, do we do? I thought we, we don't do it all the way at the end with the other one. Oh, do I don't we, know. Do we do it at the end? I, I thought remember. we do it after each movie. Maybe not. I think well, we save it to the end. Okay, so we'll save it to the end. <laughs> and we're gonna, <laughs> you probably have a good idea of what we think of it. But um, now we're going to talk about the other movie, which is... Freddy's Revenge, baby. A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, colon, <laughs> they Freddy's get Revenge. They get it, they get it, they um, get it. So the sequel to Nightmare on Elm Street from 1985. Um, what the do I have to say about it? <laughs> sure. None of us were alive. I mean, neither of us. The people listening <laughs> yeah, might have been alive. Don't be rude. Um, what do we have to say about it? Um, so we had all, I think, I guess maybe we should preface this with saying we have watched the documentary that came out recently about Mark Patton, right? That's his name? Right. So there's a documentary which is called... Ooh, you know, you are the film person, not I. Let me look it up, right? It's called Scream Queen, My Mm. Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. And it's about Mark Patton, who plays the lead role in... Jesse in Nightmare on Elm Street 2 part, no, sorry, Nightmare oh, on Elm you're Street. Oh, already effing this up. I already fucked it up twice in a row. <laughs> it's A Nightmare on Elm, Elm Street, Street part, part 2, colon, <laughs> Freddy's Revenge. Yeah. Uh, Mark Penn plays Jesse, so he's the lead part, and he had a very tough time mm-hmm. because... Um, the movie was perceived... Well, if they thought it was a flop. The, like, audiences it was a bit and of a critics flop were, and, you know, were yeah. very harsh and critical on the movie. Um, because they thought it was bad, but also they thought it was kind of very gay. Right. So that is why I picked those two movies together, uh, Bride of Frankenstein and Nightmare on Elm Street 2, because I had heard uh, that they were uh, kind of like queer-coded movies horror movies right. since it's spooky season <laughs> my lord and um and i had seen bride, bride of frankenstein before but i had bride not... on elm street you've <laughs> not seen bride on elm street no, i had not seen a nightmare <laughs> on elm street part two freddy's revenge before ah you forgot the uh, colon the colon sorry i'm very sorry <laughs> let me say it right a nightmare <laughs> on elm street part two colon freddy's revenge i had not seen before but I had seen the documentary because we watched yes. it together. Yes, we did. Um, and it is a good documentary, mm-hmm. uh, kind of unsatisfactory well, in yeah. some ways. Yeah. You know, Mark Patton is the actor who plays this guy who's in the lead role. And he is, you know, the movie codes him as kind of gay. <laughs> okay. Am I right? I don't know, I don't well, know how to explain the well, whole thing. Right. Well, there because the, the plot of the movie is kind of very... To be honest, it's kind of very vague, right? Like, it starts out, he's in this house, he's having these nightmares, and supposedly, like, on the surface, you would say that the reason that Jesse is facing these nightmares is because he's in this house that's on Elm Street, and he's, like, 
kind of being revisited by Freddie, who was the one who obviously haunted the girl yeah, um, in that definitely. room, in that space. Well, right. you pointed this out, kind of, or we talked about it while we were watching the movie, that it's kind of a different conceit from the first right. movie. Because in the first movie, the idea is that the kids or the teenagers are having nightmares, and in the nightmares, Freddie... He kills a, you in your nightmare. He kills you in your nightmare. But and this movie is different. Right. They kind of change it into kind of like a possession story, mm-hmm. I would say. Absolutely. And it becomes more of like a... Exorcist Freddy, meets... Yeah, yeah. Freddy becomes kind of a demon who needs uh, Jesse's body in order to, Keep to be embodied keeps, and kill people time. outside kill of your me. dreams. Kill for me. Yeah. So that's one of the things that I actually found a little weird about the movie, that they changed the conceit. Mm-hmm. Because the conceit is very simple and and... But, I mean, it's a very easy to understand conceit. There's a killer who appears to you in your dreams and can only kill you when you're sleeping. But it also opens up a lot of possibilities, you know, because of the the world of dreams and, and that kind of thing and nightmares. Um, so I found it interesting and kind of like maybe a little bit weird and disappointing in its own way that they decided to change it for the very second movie and to do something completely different that kind of like... Well, and that's what makes it feel so much, I guess, this idea or how I think it's it becomes easy to slip into this queer narrative, right? It's something that's possessing you. It's not really you. It's not within you. Or I mean, it, or it is, right? Like you know, what I mean, it becomes so much. Freddie of the first is someone who like is this outside thing that is coming into your dreams and like killing you that way. But now in the second one, Freddie possess you become Freddie, right? You know what I mean? And so. Yeah, and the idea being that in the first movie there were a couple of main kids, but the main main character was a a girl, mm-hmm. and in this movie they changed it to a boy, and it's have this element of this. There's this. It's a coming of age that's, type that's of thing. Possessing me, and it's a guy, and I'm a guy, and he's like killing people, and he very interestingly just kills other men, and it feels like this thing of like. You know, there's a oh, lot you're right. of sexual innuendo yeah. underneath it of homosexuality. Yeah, this is the '80s, so you know, right. in the middle well, of like one of the most homophobic. They have the scene like, obviously at the the S and they apparently the gym teacher who is you know been called gay. Uh, he goes to the this S. They ha- say, oh yeah, he like goes to the S and M club downtown. And um, and then he gets killed by Freddy in one of the processions, and then the other guy. And it's in a very BDSM type of kill. That's Um, and then the the movie kind of you know you have this guy Jesse, and then he has this girl who looks like Meryl Streep, (laughs) Lisa, (laughs) Lisa, who is like this girl who has a crush on him, and the whole movie kind of to me seems to build up to this thing of like. You know, he has this kind of like latent homosexual tendencies, mm-hmm. but if you could Jesse, only yeah. see that Lisa, Lisa likes yeah, yeah. him and he should be with Lisa and be heterosexual and be normal, you know, he could he can get rid of this whole Freddy Krueger thing. Um, so film critic uh, Robin Wood, it's a very important critic. He's a British uh critic and he's also gay a gay man and he wrote about horror movies um he wrote about i can't remember exactly the terminology that he used but it was something about like conservative horror movies and 
he didn't use the term liberal, but there's like there's like in his mind there's two types of horror movies. There's one that because the horror element of a movie usually does represent the like we were talking about with Frankenstein and with Nightmare on Elm Street now, kind of the different or the the weird, mm-hmm. the kind of you know the obscure, the things that that the status quo does not the accept. Quote unquote abnormal. And you can have two types of movies. Mm-hmm. One in which the the thing that is being repressed by society takes over. Right. Like, you know, like, for example, a movie like... And it, it can be kind of liberating in a horrific way. Like, right. for example, in uh, Night of the Living Dead or, like, Dawn of the Dead, where the zombies take over mm-hmm. and they are representing something that's being repressed in society, but they uh, have such force that they just, like, take everything over. Mm-hmm. And, and this critique is in the society that's been repressing that instead of in the you know, zombies who are taking over. Mm-hmm. Whereas something like, uh, for example, uh, Friday the 13th or, or these other movies, you can you can read them in a conservative way, saying, like, the, the monster represents things that are bad in society, but um, we are... But the monster is actually punishing the people who are doing wrong things. Like, for example, the idea of, like, teenagers having sex, sex and then always, dying yeah, and things exactly. like that. And I think in this movie, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, sorry, A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, colon, Freddy's Revenge. Please. Um, <laughs> you get a, something out of a bit of a conservative message of Freddy Krueger being this, I mean, he's obviously a force of something that's been repressed and not accepted in society in this he's same homosexuality. He's you know, but, feeding on this... Exactly, yeah. but it's something bad. Right. It's something that the protagonist should reject mm-hmm. and he should like go back to Little Meryl Streep and be straight. <laughs> Little Meryl Streep! And, and, and forget about all this gay shit that mm. he's been experiencing, right? Mm-hmm. That's how I read the movie. Well, yeah, that, that's, that seems to... That would be my takeaway if I... Yeah, or not if, because I watched a movie. That is also my takeaway. That was your takeaway. No, no, but very similar, at least, especially with the ending, right? With um, this whole Lisa's, like, there's this, like, very long, like, very repetitive declaration of love that they keep having to, like, say, I love you, Jesse, I love you, Jesse, and I love you, Lisa, I love you, Lisa, you know? Exactly, it's like, mm-hmm. if you can only, like, just hold on to this love that you have for this straight woman... And, 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 and kind of claim this, like, uh, oh, shall we pause? I guess we have to. <laughs> Let me see if this works. No, it's this one. All okay, right. we're back again. I had to stop it for a second. Uh, um, you want to tell them why we stopped? <laughs> only if you want to. People, listen. I have been asking my husband to give me cake for the past, I don't know, probably five to seven days. And uh, finally, I just had to do it to myself as an independent woman. <laughs> I'm about cake. So now we're eating cake. That's why we had to stop it. Yeah. What were you saying, though? Do you even remember? I was saying about there's this big declaration at the end of all this love that that um, Jesse has to accept this love from this woman. And if he can just, like... Right, like the she's the only one that Freddie can't really kill because it seems that Jesse's like feelings for her are, you know, so powerful that they that that those are the things that relationship and that love is what's gonna overcome the Freddie inside. It's not 
his, you know, mom who's caring about him. It's not Grady, his, <laughs> his friend. sexy friend. <laughs> yeah. I guess. To be honest, it's a little confusing. And I watched the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm, in prep? Um, no, not in prep, but like a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Um, just because I hadn't seen it in so long. Um, and to be honest, I find it kind of like a little hard to understand exactly what is going on there. Like, um, it wasn't an easy move to follow. I'll give you that. This one or the original? This one. Yeah, well, you know, um, the original, I mean, it has great, uh, makeup effects. I think this it's, one? both of them, mm. both the, the first one and this one have like really great like gruesome practicals yeah i mean freddy is disgusting 80s style uh, makeup and special effects which are really really freddy popping out of yeah like they're very well done and they're very cool and they're very disturbing Mm -hmm. and the first movie also has very disturbing imagery and very like you know um uh iconic and impactful imagery but i don't know if i think that either of the movies fully realizes the conceit of of the whole thing of like the you know being the nightmare and something that I really well you know I was just gonna say the things that I didn't really like in in both movies that Mm. much but like in the first movie something that I really missed from the first one was the idea that this one really like sidelines completely which I find very disturbing of the idea that if you go to sleep you might get killed so you want to stay awake right which I as someone who loves to sleep and gets tired and doesn't and doesn't want to <laughs> and stay me awake. with someone who has insomnia <laughs> well yeah but I hate the idea of like not being able to go to bed because you feel like you're gonna die all right so like that that's your me, nightmare is being out and not yeah, being able to go to sleep and, and being like you can't go to sleep because if you sleep you die I find that very disturbing um, and very horrible to imagine a situation which right. that's and it's the case. in this movie, but it's sidelined. It pretty it's sidelined because it's like it also the movie is not really clear about what is a dream and what is reality. It right. becomes more of like a thing of like Freddy can just manifest his powers like with the help of Jesse's fears and Jesse's psyche. He can yeah yeah he can well I don't even know if that's the case. Like, right, it's really that's un- my... it's really ambiguous of like how does Freddy's how do Freddy's powers actually work? Mm-hmm. Yes. The logistics of how it works is not clear in this movie. It's not clear at all. It's not clear when it's a dream and when it's reality. There's the scene the scene with the coach that you were talking about. It all happens. And then later on, you will hear Lisa mm-hmm. uh, say to Jesse, like, well, just because you dreamt it doesn't mean that you actually did it. And I'm like, wait, what? he dreamt that? No, he actually was there. Like, I, but- you know, the movie is very unclear about what we are supposed to take as a dream or as a as waking life mm-hmm. and that i think it's like to its detriment it's not really right clear on that count right and so the criticism of the movie not being as good is fair it's just it's not mark's fault the guy yeah sure 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 i because i to be honest despite all of the unclarity within it i was obsessed with mark's performance you thought it was good? I thought it was so good. Especially for, like, a horror movie. It was, like... I, like... I really felt so bad for him. I was, like... Even though this movie itself, plot-wise, is, like, not... Doing it for me. This character and this actor, to me, I thought... 
I really do think I'm like so upset that this that Mark is not like a big movie star. You know what I mean? Because I just guess that he did a good job. Yeah. So the so we should circle back to the documentary then and mm-hmm. the the idea that um the documentary the thesis of the documentary is that a lot of the criticism falls on him falls and all the blame him, and all of the blame falls on him purposely on part of the director and the writer of the movie saying like he brought all of this gay stuff to the movie that was not bro which is like which is ridiculous right like after seeing the movie it's like like are what you bro kidding me like like you claim that you did not know that this was a gay movie like come on there's well, like you literally have jokes you literally have yeah there's the moment where the our our favorite character grady mm-hmm is he our favorite character? He is my favorite character. Oh, okay, good. Um, who is like the the kind of like jock guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark comes to his room and he's like, yo, like this chick totally wants to, to bang fuck you, you. And you want to sleep here? with me? Yeah. Yeah, because the, Mark goes saying like, you got to help, help me. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's it's like, it's not subtext at all. No. It's just text. It's yes. The text of the movie is that there's this homosexual element to it. That... And, the, and repressing that and putting that down is the thing to do, right? Like, exactly, the gay gym teacher is the one that dies. Grady, who is Mark's male confidant, like, lets him sleep in his room instead of... He lets him sleep in his room instead of forcing him to go have sex with Lisa, and therefore... <laughs> is there a way in which you buy the, the the director and the writer saying that they didn't know, that they didn't realize that it was, like, the eldest gay stuff was in the movie? I don't buy not knowing. I buy maybe like not. I buy them not thinking it was like at the forefront. No, that's a lie. It's definitely at the forefront. I, I guess. I get no. I don't buy any of it. I buy. I buy them. I feel like I maybe maybe buy the director being like. I was just directing the script, you know what I mean? No. Like, I didn't know. No, I don't, I don't buy that. fully buy it, but no. I feel like I'm more likely, like, the writer, he wrote this, and, like, right. he has to have known. Like, you know, like, there was, there's something there, like... Right. I mean, I don't know, like, could it but be, it was like, also in the latent, mm-hmm. like, you know... It's 85, homophobia. like... But, right, but even if it's latent homophobia, it's, like... Or like it's, fear, right? Yeah, def- like AIDS, and right? Stuff. Def- but that's what I'm saying. It's 85. Like, like you can't tell me that's not about like what's in the social, like, you know what I mean? Like that's what that's what people are talking about. You know what I mean? I mean, 85 is early for it. Ish, ish. Um, we see closer. It's kind of in the thick of it, I guess. Yeah, I think you start to really see. Uh, yes, I. But I just think you start to really see, unfortunately, people like falling from AIDS. I don't know, maybe later, but maybe I don't I'm know, not. Actually. I don't know. I don't know don't quote me. Don't quote me. Um, but I just. But definitely. Um... Or at least the the uh, the 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 like growing amount in which it's like a part. Do you think there's a place or or a situation in which it's something that is put into the script, and obviously it's because of everything that's going on around him, but he's not doing it consciously. I just don't know how. Even if that was the in the first draft, I don't believe it. But even if that was in the first draft, like, oh, I just, like, I'm kind of, like, having these ideas culturally and this is, like, what's coming up for me. The minute you read the script back to yourself, yeah, the idea, right. you know what I mean? There's that no you way don't realize that it. you don't realize it. There's no way that you look at that script after it's been written in its entirety and be like, oh, that's not what this is about. 
Because then, because then, like, and I guess we can have the argument for argument's sake. Then, what else are you trying to say with this? Like, what is what is Mark or Jesse, the character, struggling with in this movie? If it's not that, right? Well, that brings up a good, uh, a fair question, which is like, does do you have to be conscious about like having wanting to say something with the movie? You know, like. What do you mean? Like, you know, like not... You can... Like horror movies, I feel a lot of the time, say a lot about um, this, the, the moment in which they're made and the fears that are out in society at the mm-hmm. moment they're made. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can see it in, in these movies, but also in, in others. You know, like I mentioned Nightmare... No, what's it called? Night of uh, the Living Dead or Dawn of the Dead. Or mm-hmm. like you can look at something like... Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which you mentioned before. Right. And there's things that are kind of, like, in the ether, but, like, it is unclear to me how conscious the people who are making it are that they are putting in something very vital and very prescient in the movie or not. Or are they just, like, trying to make something about the things that make them scared and they're not fully aware of what it is about them that make them scared, but it ends up communicating something. Um, so that's something that I've wondered about in the past. Like if it's like complete, how conscious is it, you know? But even the idea of like, so this is something you're afraid of, right? Mm-hmm. You've written down, you're going to make a movie about it. Then you get the director and like the way you film the mo- just the way the movie is filmed right like they talked about it in the documentary of that like um him dancing in his room moment mm-hmm. like to oh and i'm forgetting the song that he ends up dancing to but but to this like it, the lyrics are sexual you know what i mean like it's very much mm-hmm. a very sexual song and you have this teenage, for the sake of the movie, this teenage boy who is dancing around to this very sexual song sung by, like, a woman, right? Sung by, like, a popular woman. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, pushing the drawer with his ass and he's, like, using this little toy, right? Like, by mm-hmm. his junk. as his pe- You know what I mean? Like, it just... It becomes... I don't know, like, it becomes so much, uh, like, a, a, a representation of something. Or not a representation, but, like, I don't know, those, those, those choices seem so intentional, is what I'm, I guess I'm trying mm. to say. Like, those are intentional choices. Those are not accidental. Those are not subtext. And like we said, there are texts in, like, truly in the script that is, like, commenting on... Yeah, being gay, being queer. You know what I mean? They so didn't it's like, feel accidental. They didn't feel coincidental. No. But like, I guess we have to recognize that at some level we just don't know if they were or not. Right? They don't feel that way. But I guess who's who? We can't be sure. You know, we have an inkling that they were intentional. But if the you know the people deny it, and then you just don't. Whatever, we you just will never know because we're not in their brain, even though we feel that they're the way, I guess, is what I'm trying to but, say. But who cares? Yeah, that's another point. Like who? I don't care if whether or not... One, the fact that you ruined this actor's life because you refused to acknowledge 
you refuse to acknowledge whether or not something was intentional or not that it was in the movie in the first place and then you blame people for seeing what was in the movie on the person who was acting in the film you know what i mean like right all of that the implication being here and in the documentary that like this actor mark Patton, uh didn't get to have a long career because he was associated with being like the gay guy from Nightmare on Elm Street. Who ruined this franchise, yeah. Well, clearly not because they they made like a million Nightmare on Elm Street movies after that. But and like... it was just the second. But and, at the time, you know. Yeah, and you know, and we're talking about a time out. in the 80s in which uh, sequels and especially horror sequels were not thought of as like good yeah or like yeah prestigious yeah. like it's yeah. not like now where like you know like a sequel is like a big deal and people take care to like make sure that it like adheres to the continuity of the franchise and whatever you know what i mean like they're just people are doing whatever they want clearly because they don't respect any of the rules from the first <laughs> movie they just do whatever the fuck they want um but um yeah um I took this cake away from me. I'm truly. We've demolished a slice of red velvet and strawberry cheesecake. In case you were wondering. Okay, we're putting it away. And I'm asking now um, do you think that there is something uh, valuable, entertaining, exciting about this movie other than the queer subtext the f- and the history behind Mark. it? Mark. The performance? Mark's performance. Do you feel like the movie. Itself is not a very interesting movie otherwise? No. It's a pretty terrible movie otherwise. You think so? Kind of. Yeah. I think other than the performance and and the like technical practicals that are like other than the, the like the effects, the artistry of the movie. The artistry of, of the artistry of the film and Mark's performance, I think are the only two saving or I guess I don't know saving, but the only two things that I'm interested in. What do you think of the of the queer subtext? Do you think that that is something interesting about the movie, or that just like an accidental, like an incidental thing about it that you're like that's kind of like, you know, like is that is it valuable to you or not really? I don't know. I mean, I think it's it's hard because it it feels so much like. A cautionary tale about being queer which I get because obviously at a certain point it or not even I mean it still is to be it's still hard to be a gay person you know what I mean right but especially back then it it, it was definitely a connotation of like it could this, be deadly it could be deadly like it could kill you um uh but still it feels like a little like but it feels missing icky. the point yeah but it like it's feels... not like like you can't help it if you are a, a you know queer if and well, and it doesn't feel it oddly enough i think the the reason why i'm sympathetic to mark's character is not in the script it or jesse the character it's not in the script i'm sympathetic for the performance played by mark you know what i mean like i think the character on paper yeah I mean, not I mean, a very interesting character it's I mean, not a very cipher. yeah it's just kind of like a you don't really, I mean, you don't know really anything about Mark and what he's struggling with at all, other than the the only thing you know that he's struggling with is that all of a sudden he started waking up with nightmares about Freddy. And you don't, like, understand, like, what's happened to his life beforehand. You don't have a clue of, like, if yeah, you're moving right. you was hard for him. You have, like, him. you know yeah. nothing really about the character other than... 
yeah, the fact that's that he's being true. possessed by Freddy. It's also very much like you don't know why Lisa would be interested in him at all. It's just kind of like this whole thing of like, well, this is a dude and this is a girl and they're both in high school. So <laughs> they're they both might pretty well and like white. Other, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, but he doesn't really have much uh, to himself as a character to be like, oh, this is why he's an attractive, you know, he's person. Not like this is not star why of he a... makes him interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely underwritten in the character level. All yeah. around, like the parents yeah. are also like very strange. Like, what is happening? I don't really understand their point of view very much. Yeah, you're just um, like, oh, you have the one thing is like, okay, your dad's an asshole from day one, and that's it. And there's no like context under it. It's like, is he afraid for his son? Really? I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah, there's just like nothing there. Like a lot of like, no, you're asking like to get a little backstory of like why his dad's an asshole. No, but, like, but, like but, there's just nothing. Yeah, but that... you don't really feel like where they're coming from. Yeah, it's just um, like this is. This is the character and the thing they're going through. This is the dad. He's nestled. This is the mom. She's worried. This is the do- the daughter. She's naive. You know what I mean? Like, and even Freddy Krueger is kind of a cipher in the movie. Like, you don't really and you don't really know what he wants other than to kill through Jesse. You know what I mean? It like also as like a monster, like in like a monster incentive. Like, what is the monster after? What is his deal? Well, you know, we know from you know the from first the first movie, movie but for, as a sequel, it doesn't feel like it's building on any of that, right? And it you don't, feels... it's not revealing anything new about Freddy's, you know, yeah. reason for and killing. Even in the first movie, it's like a little bit like yeah, right? Because like the idea, I suppose, is that he's kind of like taking revenge on the community that uh, <laughs> burned him for being a pedophile. Burned him for being a pedophile, basically, even though he's not explicitly a pedophile in the movie but it's just like kind of like that's how everybody reads it I think the idea is that he kills children but like I feel like we all like read him as a pedophile and then like you know he gets away because of a technicality and then the 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 kind of there's this mob violence that that kills him and burns him and then he his spirit uh, is remains to take revenge on the on the community but and specifically 14 whatever of Elm Street yeah that's also kind of I guess not very clear I don't remember from the first movie is there a connection to that house specifically I don't think maybe I can't remember um in the first movie the mom definitely knows who Fred Krueger is because hmm. she explains to his to her daughter who he is and what his backstory is. And she seems to be kind of like, I was there at the time and I know well, what this happened. happened and yeah. I remember when the people got together to do this thing and it was kind of like horrifying. Uh, but yeah, but now it's been like removed from that. You know, this is like years later and he's still kind of trying to come back and, and why is he taking revenge on this And why kids? Jesse? That's also like a... Like it doesn't... Well, it's it's because of the house, right? It, that's what it's implied. You, right, right, right. It implied that like he's in the same room. Right. But it doesn't feel... It doesn't... It would... You know what I mean? It could have been such a stronger connection if there was some other reason. You know, like, yes, it's the house, but also like... Jesse and whoever the girl was had something else. You know what I mean? Like there, there's just like not a lot of substance, is what the problem is. I guess so. So uh, if we do our classic, fuck Mary kill, what would you say about Nightmare on Elm Street? 
Sorry about A Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two: Colon Fraser Vance. I was gonna say because that's a different story, baby. Um, I would. I think I. Ooh, I don't know. I guess I kill it. To be you honest, kill it, you don't think it's even worth like a little, a little run in the hay because uh, of the like backstory and the. Well, that's the subjects. thing. The thing about it is that what's. Most, you feel like you're better off watching the documentary. I was gonna say the documentary. I marry the documentary all day, baby. But the the OG film, I think, like I said, I think Mark is doing a wonderful job. But like, I think he is the most interesting part of that movie, and the rest of the movie falls apart as an actor. You know what I mean? Not I like so. I don't dislike the performance. I do think that the backstory of the movie is more interesting. Than yes, the movie. yes, yeah. I, absolutely. I think I will agree with that. I was on the fence about being like maybe like a little you know maybe like a, a soft fuck or just a kill <laughs> soft fuck um, with the movie I'm kind of in that gray area. Um, what about Fred, Bride of Frankenstein? Though? Oh, I I marry my bride. Hello, you don't <laughs> you, <gotta laughs> you only marry with the bride, bride, baby. <laughs> Here comes the bride, and we're marrying her. Yeah, definitely. I do love Bride of yeah. Frankenstein. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street two. Sorry, A Nightmare on Street Part 2. Stop forgetting the A! Um, not as much. No. Not a Mary, um, but, you know. Um, but our dog is scratching at the door if you can hear it. trying to get back in the room. Um, yeah, so I guess that's it. For this. Yeah. I think, I guess so. I don't know how much more I had to say other than um, I hope, I don't know. I'm just saddened for Mark, and I want all the best for him. We didn't talk about what we're going to do next time. Because we don't know. When do these things? There's no well, we schedule. Know. There will be a next time. Yeah. <laughs> next time, there will be a next time. Why am I rapping Eminem? I am drunk, guys. <laughs> um, so we don't know what we're going to do if we are going to do something. <laughs> I feel like I'm gonna tr- we're going to try to. Sure. Do you... something uh, you know, two weeks from now. We haven't talked about our favorites from NIF. Maybe we wanted, I don't know. If, well, we yeah, well, that was a while ago. <laughs> All right. I'm just, you know, I'm trying to, I don't know, folks. Did you see Titan? We watched Memoria. We watched the French Dispatch. Um, <laughs> we liked all of them for the most part. Yeah. Um, maybe we'll talk about that. Maybe we'll do something else. Yeah. I don't know. Um, be on the lookout. Our dog is literally crying outside the door because it's at the door because he wants to get in. So I think that means that we have to go. We're wrapping it up, folks. We're wrapping it out. Um, thank you for listening. Um, see you next time. Bye. I was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight. For my monster from his slab began to rise, and suddenly. To my surprise, he did the match. He did the monster match. The monster match. It was a graveyard smash. He did the match. It caught on in a flash. He did the match. He did the monster match. From my laboratory in the castle east to the master bedroom where the vampires feast, the ghouls all came from their humble abode to get a jolt from my electrode. They did the match. They did the monster match. The monster match. It was a graveyard smash. They did the match.